Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Green means go. Welcome to the Fact Off. Welcome to the Fact Off, your weekly battle of facts, y'all. Alex is the host, not a slack off. Mike's got the facts that'll smack y'all. But don't worry, cuz Pat's got your back, y'all. It's the Fact Off. It's the Fact Off. Yeah, it's the Fact Off. Welcome to the Fact Off, a weekly podcast where we each bring you a random and obscure fact, and you, the listener, can decide who the winner is. I'm Alex, and as with me as always is Mike. Hey, what's up, buddy? Hey, what are you up to? How you been? How's life? Oh, awesome. I uh, won a award. Yeah, I saw. A fantastic most, award. Most handsome man on the pod. No, I, I was at a high... Let's introduce Pat first before we get into the story. Oh, and our other co-host, Pat. He came nice. in second on the Most Handsome Man on the Award. Uh, the thing that stinks is Mike won Most Handsome on the pod, and our mom was the one who voted for it. Yeah. That's, that's what really stung the most. Wait, what well, award did you win? If your mom <laughs> voted for either of you two, then she'd have to choose one over the other. So she has to choose a third party so she doesn't make her sons feel bad. Can't no, you just cut my, us in two? On my wedding day, my, mo- <laughs> my mom's told me, I have always hated you more than I hated Pat. It's true. Well, she told me the same thing. Yeah. That's what. Well, uh, do you have another long lost brother named Pat? <laughs> no, she just said I always hated you more less than I hated Alex. <laughs> yep. All right. And then she fantastic. went on this huge thing about how much she really hates Alex. But wait, what award did you win? I didn't win an award. Uh, what? So, <laughs> yes. You just said you, <laughs> you, just won, said you won an award. award. We can't have fake facts at the top of the show. I won a prize. Yeah. Which is an so award. yesterday, uh, I went to a local hockey team, a game <laughs> that lets you bring your dog to the hockey game, which is a very odd idea and concept in and of itself. It's a cool idea. Mike, doesn't, so? be- yeah, Mike doesn't believe dogs should be inside. That's the big thing he can't get behind. Yeah. <laughs> Show me the rule book that says dogs can't attend a hockey game. But the, the, right the, the, the music's so loud, the sirens are going off, the dogs are probably just losing their minds internally like the yeah, anxiety they all pumping. suppressed it for the game or did they go yeah, crazy well the dogs seemed very excited at first but then they slowly all started like submarining themselves under the ch- seats like because they were kind of scared of the whole environment and and thing even well, dogs kept, know like, that shaking mi- a dog like <laughs> even dogs know that minor league hockey is kind of boring <laughs> <laughs> but uh i have a golden doodle and they needed a dog for a, you know, they always have the crowd participation thing where yeah. um, they grab a person from the crowd and they do like some sort of game or something like that. Yeah. Well, they, they one wanted, person gets to play on the team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted a golden doodle because uh, they wanted to do a thing called uh, doodle, noodle doodle. Um, so I had to wear a helmet and marker on my head and draw a picture on like a, like a whiteboard with the marker. Ten seconds to draw a doodle. Uh, Anything if that makes sense. What no, doodle? doodle. A doodle of a doodle. Oh, of a dog. Yeah. Oh, you had to draw a dog. Not of your noodle. <laughs> yeah, and and anytime you br- uh, bring a dog into an equation, uh, things don't really work out as planned. Uh, as soon as the hunter, my dog, came up with me, he decided to escape, and he was running around 
the the uh, <laughs> stadium. And the announcer that was like talking to him, he's just like cracking up. He's like, "This is fantastic." He's like, "I hope we get this on video." And my my wife Hannah, she's running after the dog. Um, so it just starts off like cr- insane. And meanwhile, Mike is like, "Well, you all shut up. I'm trying to draw this golden doodle." Well, your Hunter famously hates art. He does. He does. Never been a fan. He's the hunter. Is that dog that keeps throwing paint on all those uh, <laughs> old oil paintings for the environment? Yeah, if you look closely, yeah, you could see that he. The, those people usually have like uh, long golden hair and uh, <laughs> dog dog ears, floppy ears. Uh, no, and then I, I drew the picture. We got the dog wrangled, and came. He came over. Uh, I drew the picture. Um, Ten seconds. And they had the crowd cheer which one was best. And I was, like, hyping up the crowd, raising my arms, and, like, trying to get everybody to yell for mine. I won. Was the other person, and like, it, giving them the finger? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> they just look terrible. They just scribbled on the board. Cincinnati's the worst town ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they handed me the mic and said I, I had to, like, say, uh, let's go Cyclones. And you guys gave me crap because I didn't say we had a podcast. So I, yeah, you I should had have said, that, listen to the fact off. <laughs> I had a that golden opportunity. Yeah, you had a golden doodle tunity. Yeah, so I won a Skyline gift card. Uh, that's a local food chain here, and a T-shirt that's way too large. Nice. We can all fit in it. <laughs> we can all fit in this Skyline. Can that be the new picture for the uh, fact off of the three of us wearing your cyclone shirt? <laughs> Yeah, yes. why not? So that was my long story of the of the week. I liked um, it. Who won last week, Mike? Was oh, you, you know, you know. No, Mike I, won the numbers. I, I was too busy out last night celebrating with my dog, like uh, burning down the town. Um, burning to down this. the town. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. Well, I had it set on auto calculation last night, uh, so you know it just. You know, spit it out this morning when I woke up. It took and, that long uh, to tabulate eight votes. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at the paper and all, and I had to re- do, force a recount. Double check. I didn't believe it. Yeah, double check. It was too close to call. <laughs> too, it's too close. And uh, Alex uh, ended up being winner, the winner. Yes. Boo, the Herschel Walker uh, of the podcast. Alex, uh, hey, 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 don't bring <laughs> politics into this. <laughs> yeah. But. As you know, we had last weekend we had our fa- fact off outing podcast outing, where me and Mike met up with some listeners at the Air Force Museum in Dayton. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you guys will hang out without me. It's not fair. <laughs> so, I would say meet up is very like loosely. <laughs> this is supposed. Your son was supposed to meet up with his Cub Scout troop, and this this is hilarious. Mike uh, was get there, just passed out and there. everybody's just kind of awkwardly standing in like a circle, and nobody wants to introduce themselves to each other. Like, not one person even initial initializes that. And then we get in there, and we're just kind of all wandering around looking at the airplanes, which is awesome. Airplanes are sweet, and then uh, everybody just kind of Fact. like walks off and and disappears into the ether, and. Uh, Alex's son uh, keeps <laughs> keeps asking Alex like Alex, where's <laughs> he where's you, my Alex? Boy Scouts? Where's where's my boys? And Alex is like, there's somewhere out here. There's <laughs> yeah, there- we lost him. <laughs> he, he didn't want to meet stuff. He kept moving. He called you Alex, <laughs> and then said, "Where are my boys?" <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you haven't been to the Air Force Museum in Dayton, 
It is awesome. It's it is free really to cool. get in. Uh, top tier uh, museum. But so I'm going to give you a little fact about airplane or air travel. You know your taste buds are reduced by around 30% during air travel? No. Why? Because you're yeah. up high? Yeah, because the airplane yeah. food's so bad, so that's like a... <laughs> yeah. Well, I said food dries out, but the only flavors that are affected are like sweet and salty flavors. Things that you so, eat on airplanes? Yeah. But spicy and bitter stuff, doesn't the fla- flavor doesn't change. So how come we don't have any spicy nachos on the plane? Every place should have spicy nachos. They don't want you running right to the toilet and blowing it up on the airplane. Too bad Pat's going to do that anyway. <laughs> yeah. Was, if anything, I'm eating the nachos in the toilet. Pat doesn't like to sit next to people on the plane. So for like three days before he has to fly, he just holds it in. Okay. Oh, so he gets to the plane. And he, in the bathroom. It the stinks it, it the whole up. Trip. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> little known fact about Pat. Sorry, Pat. So we all told uh, little anecdotes, and that was mine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know what it's time for now? Wait, what Pat's was your fact? fact? Your air buds reduce, your taste buds reduce <laughs> oh, by okay. 30%. I, was, I missed the whole fact. All right, continue. And air bud is reduced <laughs> by 30%. Yeah, if you watch it on a plane, they cut out 30% of the movie, which is all the basketball parts. <laughs> yeah. It's mostly a drama about a boy and his family. It's yeah. very sad. All right, but what's up? Pat's fact, 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 factacular. Fact, 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 factacular. Fact, 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 factacular. Factacular. That's right. It's everybody's favorite segment of the week where Mike and Alex don't have to talk for a while and y'all get to listen to me. First fact from the fact calendar is stop signs used to be yellow. Explain how. So you know how they're red now? Yeah. Before, they were yellow. Did they still say stop, or did they say, like, don't go? No, they said stop. (laughs) Next fact. (laughs) We're good at this riffing thing. Um, This one is for us. This is a very beard-heavy podcast. If if the listeners couldn't tell, we're three bearded men. But male students at Brigham Young University in Utah need special permission to grow a beard. From who? The beard man? Well, the the reason is because uh, at any time, oxygen masks could fall from the ceiling, and with a beard, you can't properly seal the oxygen mask to your mouth. So that's why they have that rule. Uh, yes. At Brigham Young, the oxygen is in such short supply. <laughs> it's a famously floating campus. It's high up in the air. Yeah. <laughs> we have a lot of confused listeners. <laughs> you have a lot of confused co-hosts. <laughs> Um, I like this one, especially. It's probably my favorite. I don't want to tilt the, tilt my hand too much. But uh, brunch was originally invented to cure hangovers. How do they know that? Somebody, I invented brunch by just eating two hours later than I normally eat. <laughs> I woke up a little bit later, and I wanted a little bit of alcohol in my orange juice. Yeah. It's almost like it just happened to exist because you woke up later because you drank late. So yeah. what came first, the brunch or the no, hangover. It would have the brunch would have to come second. <laughs> it can't come first. What came that, first? This is the easiest one came first of all time. To be fair, be the hangover. I usually, days I know, days I know I'm going to do heavy drinking. I always go to brunch first. 
No, I'm, 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 what I was meaning by that, like, did they choose to invent brunch to save the hangover, or did they just happen to have the hangover and ate brunch and realized, hey, this is uh, something I like? Yes. They said, what time is it? Well, it's not quite breakfast, and it's not quite lunch, and we're drunk. <laughs> um, fourth fact, the word strengths is the longest word in the English language with only one vowel. Really? Think of another one. Try. Car. Damn it. Balloon. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> and this last one, um, I'm going to look up later. I know Normally, I don't look any of these up. But the heads on Easter Island have bodies. I've heard that before. I saw it on the TV show The Critic. But... Yeah. <laughs> um, Maybe we'll have to take a trip. <gasps> Fact Can off we... podcast trip. Can that be? Yeah. Hey, listeners, if you want to go fund us and get us a trip to Easter Island, and we'll record live, and you on can Easter. listen to us on Easter. Easter Island on Easter. Fact off. Yeah. Okay. I'm. Hey, listeners, send us money. At the fact off is our Venmo. No, All right. It's not. <laughs> That's <laughs> probably some that out there. Yeah, don't person. put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, someone's gonna hate. Then some guy's gonna have his day made when uh, thousands of listeners send him money for no. a trip to Easter Island. If Actually, you... send us money to our FTX accounts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I kind of understand what that meant. <laughs> I don't understand what happened there. And every time I tried to read an article, I get bored. But I do want to know what's about. That's how all these uh, crypto scams work. Is Nobody cares about it, and the people who buy the coins get screwed over because nobody yeah. outside of that grouping cares. Yeah, but. and uh, I think we should get into our fact off. This was the most pre-fact talk I think we've ever had. Fact off. It's not every week you take a dog to a hockey game. It's true. That's not true. I do it every week. Or take your son to a Boy Scout thing. And yeah. He doesn't um, even say anything to a Boy Scout. <laughs> Um, I'll let Mike go first this week since I won. I get to pick the order. Mike went last. You got this, Mike. Yeah, mine's kind of a lighter, a uh, light affair. You know, it's uh, it's uh, is that a play on words? Is it about like the Hindenburg? <laughs> no, um, <laughs> me neither. It's mine. <laughs> I'm surprised none of us brought the Hindenburg in. I think it's just such a known fact that uh, I don't think that's necessary. But I'm gonna do it next week. <laughs> All right, this uh, everybody knows this aspect of the fact. The apartments in big cities like New York City and London are usually very small. Like, uh, not a fantastic place to like, raise a family, have kids, that sort of thing. People who live there would beg to differ. Yeah. Well, it, it's like if you're trying to do chores or like uh, make dinner or anything like that, like your kids are going to get in the way because there's just not a lot of space. Like. Alex, you have a probably a playpen. Those, those things take up so much space in a room. Like, imagine yeah. a playpen in an apartment. No matter how big your place is, your kids are always in your way when you're trying to do something. <laughs> well, you're going to we like agree this with fact your premise, Mike. Yeah, yeah, because you might actually like this idea. Uh, I don't. I think your kids might be a little bit too big for this at this point in time. But um, if you have another baby, you might like this idea. So. Even worse, like in this type of situation, you don't even have a backyard to banish your kids to. So, yeah, but that's what the streets are for. 
Yeah, this that's why you yeah, you send your kids out to the streets. Yeah. That's fantastic why, thoughts. There's always a stickball game going on in New York. I'm and they have that kid with the giant wheel pushing it yeah. down the street with a stick. Yeah. I I'm trying to be like a salesman for this idea because I think this needs to come back. So my solution for you, if you have a baby out there. You're talking about beating your kids? <laughs> is to think outside the box a little bit. And by that, I mean think inside a cage. Ooh. Yes. A baby cage. Is that a thing? Is this a real thing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're going to get to what it. Year, what year is this? <laughs> 1922. It's a lot more recent than you might think. So. 74. Yeah. So you know that uh, area of the window space where you'd normally put like an air conditioner? Yes. Yeah. They would well, put a kid out there? Imagine, instead of an air conditioner, uh, a cage that juts out the side of your apartment building window, like five, six, seven stories up, um, that you could put a a nice little blanket in there and some toys, and your kid can sit outside and enjoy the, you know, the weather and uh, the air. You gotta tell like me what it. year this like, is. I'm, crazy. Pa- I'm always paranoid that my air conditioner is gonna fall out my window. <laughs> Let alone your child. <laughs> yeah. Well, this seems I mean, like it can't go wrong. It, it can't. So these baby cages did. are fantastic, and the first inspiration for them. Um, and this regular is an, cages. <laughs> this is an excerpt from a 1984 book called "The Care and Feeding of Children" by Dr. Luther Luther Emmett. Holt, okay. Fresh air is required to renew and purify the blood. Yep. True, fact. and this is just as necessary for health and growth as proper food. Fact, he wrote. So the appetite is improved, digestion is better, and the cheeks become red, <laughs> and all signs of health are seen. Face yep. cheeks or butt cheeks? <laughs> I, I'm assuming he's talking about face cheeks and. What he's to to simplify what he's saying, cheeks. he's talking about your kids need fresh air and to be yeah. aired out. You know, like uh, <laughs> yeah, it's good for them. You know, to get some fresh air. This was 1984. Yeah, 1884. Oh, yeah, I thought you said, thought you said 1984. Well, I'm sorry for the folks at home who are very confused and uh, alarmed about that aspect. Of to it, be but. fair, fresh air is good for you. He's, he's right is. on some of it. Hey, if we got to be fair. The book doesn't explicitly state uh, get baby cages. Um, it just kind of promotes the idea of fresh air to families. Um, yeah. It The first one I could find where somebody actually used a cage for a baby in the window was in 1906, Eleanor Roosevelt. How much is that baby in the window? <laughs> <laughs> she had a chicken wire cage built and installed in her New York City townhouse window and her child, Anna, would sit in it and play. Um, and obviously, the neighbors were kind of alarmed at this, and they submitted complaints, but... Um, and she said, one day, I will be <laughs> the first lady. Yeah, well, this idea continued to grow. So, 1922, there was actually a patent for a portable baby cage that was submitted by Emma Reed from Spokane, Washington. Okay. And here's an excerpt from the uh, patent. This article of manufacture comprises of a housing or cage wherein the baby 
or young child together with proper toys may be placed. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess you don't. They're not just gonna put them in How the cage. How long did this last before it was just like this is the stupidest idea anyone's ever had? Well, let's that's go already to twenty years. That's twenty years that we're yeah, at. Let's jump to the nineteen thirties when this trend became like super popular. And so we're the in the nineteen thirties, it took off in London and in New York City. Um, it was nicknamed the Window Crib. Okay, that's a good name. Okay, yeah. the the window crib. I like yeah. window crib. I'm you I'm do. back on okay. board. Baby cage. I'm out. Window crib. I'm listening. Yeah, and um, a bunch of like uh, apartment buildings started advertising like additional space with these window cribs installed. So, Ooh, I wonder yeah, if I can they're... increase the square footage of my house. It's it's. I mean, look it up. Like, there's lots of pictures out there. No, of, you look it up. <laughs> no, I did. <laughs> and there's babies chilling out in cages, uh, and and nice uh, looking like uh, like padding, kind of like a dog bed almost. And Sounds it like looks like the babies are having a good time. It it really does. Um, now, obviously, it, there's some dangers involved. Like, if there's a thunderstorm, you might forget that your kid's out in the baby cage. Or if there's a... Um, hopefully, people didn't leave their babies out during a um, a snowstorm. <laughs> but... Right. I don't I don't think that would have happened. Because then people are like, where's this draft coming from? <laughs> That's true. Uh, so oh, there it is. I've seen this picture before. Yeah. It's it's not as weird sounding as you think. <laughs> yeah, I, I have seen that picture before. It's sturdy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very sturdy. Alex uh, is showing everybody the picture he found. I saw that picture earlier, but it, it looks very sturdy. And I did <laughs> look into me. it further, and there's no reported injuries or deaths from this from this baby cage. This one looks less safe. Baby cage conspiracy. There's like a clear gap on the sides. <laughs> Yeah, that does look kind of uh, great to show pictures on a uh, you know audio podcast. But. Ooh, look it up, look it up, and then I look it up. It's great to look up pictures. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what I'm saying is, I think it's a great idea. It's something that gives you more room. Uh, the kid looks like the kids look like they're enjoying it, and it's fully See? caged in. It's not like the kid's gonna fall out and and fall to death. They always said. That TV killed the radio star. But really, TV killed the The baby cage. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because all you do is put your kid in front of the TV now. Yeah, you used to put him outside. The world was the TV. Well, I mean, if you think about it, it'd be kind of fun to sit out there and just kind of... Like it's a balcony. Look, look around. It's like a, a <laughs> it private a, balcony for a kid. It would be nice if we could sit outside our windows. <laughs> you don't think that's like, a... I, I think it's a good idea. I, I think no, it I know. should come back. I'm saying it exists. <laughs> it does. Uh, but not every apartment has balconies. It's like an extra cost, usually. That's a true. lot of these... Also, well, is a baby cage. <laughs> I guess the, the extra cost nowadays is who wants to give up their air conditioner for a baby cage? And who wants to... Uh, have the who wants to give up their child when child <laughs> services comes and gets their child? Yeah, I just I would just want to trust it. Do you really think child services would like uh, get involved? One hundred percent. If a, if you put a cage in nowadays, all right, the people would definitely call the cops. Well, the the fad died off by nineteen fifty. Uh, 
there is no actual like cutoff point, so it, it it's just kind of said that it just kind of disappeared from popular culture by the 1950s. That's essentially what happened. So it kind of ran its course, but I like the idea, and my fact is called a cage for a baby. Nice. What about no one puts baby in a cage? Oh, that's a good one. Despite all my rage, I'm still just a baby in a cage. All right. I will change it. So what do you want to change it to? Should I, should I redo it? No, no we're well, joking. No, this we is, you're leaving this <laughs> in. All right, whatever. Name it whatever you want. All right. What do Go you want on, to name Alex. It? What do you want to name it? Uh, no, no one puts baby in a cage. <laughs> Four hours later, I've been writing. Baby in cage. I'll go next. My fact is short this week. Mike, you drive a car, don't you? Do I ever? Yeah, Pat, you drive a car. Occasionally. Yeah. Me, not me. I have my first generation hovermobile. <laughs> Had to buy the first generation. Yep. Um, but we've all heard of Goodyear tires. I've heard of them. Have you heard um, of bad year tires? <laughs> And that's the podcast, folks. I'm <laughs> we got to hang it up after that one. <laughs> Thank you for your time. <laughs> but have you heard of Charles Goodyear? Is he the son of the tire? He was born a tire. <laughs> yeah, Charles Goodyear was born in December 29th, 1800 in New Haven, Connecticut. Um, he comes from like a wealthy means family. His, uh, his like, Great grandfather, whatever, found it New Haven. One of the, or great great grandfather, one of them. Oh, dates back a while. And then his dad had a uh, very successful button company. So like he went to Philadelphia. He was studying. He moved back to his family. And he was living a good life. And he moved back to Philadelphia to open up a hardware store. Like they consider it the first ever hardware store where you would go and just buy hardware tools and all. <laughs> <laughs> at the store, you'd get hardware. Yeah. So he invented the hardware store. Yeah, they say they don't really give him credit for it, but it was like the first like store dedicated to hardware tool, tools. I you know what? That was Ace. I'll give him credit. Yeah. No, Ace um, is the place with the wonderful hardware store. No, with the wonderful hardware face, or no, Ace is Ace the place. is the face with the helpful, helpful hardware. Helpful. Store, right? I don't know. We need to call up their marketing team and say, hey, could you clarify? Real quick, let me get uh, Ace on the phone real quick. That's going to be my fact. I'm just going to audible and just come up with the real lyrics. In 1829, his business was going good, so he expanded and all. But then, you know, the people started throwing on hard times. Hardware times. Yep. And like the places he like that like he was sending uh having him sell those tools and all, like didn't give him money and all, so he went bankrupt in eighteen thirty. So he was oh, sending yeah. people tools and they weren't That's sending them money. Well like they like they would sell them in different stores throughout like the United States and those people decided just not to pay him their funds because they didn't have any money. Oh, okay. So, so they they defaulted on whatever yeah. they purchased, and so so the and then he yeah he defaulted down, so on down the line yeah. So back then, when he didn't pay your debts, he went to prison. So he went to prison for a little bit. Back oh, then, now you get uh, bailed out. <laughs> yeah, and then during that time, like he had two sons pass away, 
Oh, within two years. So, Charles is like, I need to do something to get rich. I need something. Like, so his dad was famous. Like, he perfected the button and made really good buttons. And that's how his button business was so, factory was so well. So, he's like, he saw rubber. He's like, rubber, it's this great thing that everybody's using. It dates back to the Aztecs and the Mayans used rubber. Um, but he's like, but the issue with rubber, that it freezes in the cold and melts in the heat. I don't know if that's really a good product that can't stand. <laughs> so he's like, you know what? I want to make it better for commercial use. He also knew nothing about rubber. <laughs> he called it flubber. Yeah, so he became a inventor. And between 1934 and 1938... It was not a great time for him. He's been he was in and out of prison for pay, not paying debts and all. He had to sell his family's possessions, you know, get get things going. Right? He his really button wanted... dad didn't help him out. Well, no, his dad. I think the dad eventually went under. There was a he had a lot of financial backers, but there was like the financial troubles of eighteen thirty six and eighteen thirty seven. Really, was not a good time. Yeah, Pat. Have you ever heard for... of a rich button person? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, the Goodyear Button found, uh, Foundation. Or... Yeah. So and so he was like in and out of jail for imprisonments, and he had like a couple more kids pass away. But in nineteen in eighteen thirty, are you accidentally reading the same part over and over again? No, <laughs> Is this guy's life I, I that could, tragic. I couldn't figure out the exact number, but I think I saw like he had six or seven kids pass away. Oh, so he. How many did he have to spare, though? Did he he had six or seven? Hopefully, he had at least five more. He like I mean back then people just had like a lot of kids. Yeah, you always go to jail. Some of your kids would die. You go back to jail. Some more of your kids would die. It's the eighteen hundreds. Um, so we teamed up with a guy named Nathaniel Haywood in eighteen thirty eight, and Haywood was really big in the drying rubber with sulfur, sulfur, sulfur to make it sulfur. So forth, sorry. I cannot, cannot say that word. Uh, I should have practiced this beforehand. <laughs> and mirror. Yeah, uh, sulfur. Uh, drying it. And they were working together. And in th- 1939, legend has it that one legend is like they had an argument, but real the legend is that um, there's some bubble mixed with sulfur that was a sitting on like a low heat on the stove. And. Typical guy bur- to leave the stove going. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't burst in the flames or anything, and it became like this really good material to use. It's the vocal uh, vocalization of rubber, vocalized rubble, the like the rubber that we all use nowadays. That's yeah. where it came from. That's where it was it all- an accident. They got into a fight. But that's what they say. Like that's the legend. They say maybe he's just like testing different stuff and like that's he's constantly it. testing with rubber to make it better. Yeah. Uh, Vulcan is from the Roman god of fire. But yeah, he patented it, and like he's like, this is like the new rubber. But he didn't have the exact science of it because he didn't know like how yeah. to like perfect it and all. They probably adjusted like the <laughs> different like, components of it over time. Yeah, like he didn't know like how long you needed to heat it, like how long, like and like how much sulfur you needed like to perfect it. But he had it in 1937, and he. He patented like the first draft in like eighteen forty one. What were tires made out of before that? It was like it was like rubber, but it wasn't like a a durable rubber. 
Yeah, it wasn't the best. Like, yeah, he, he got his yeah, friend uh, George Firestone on the line, yeah. <laughs> and George Firestone said, hey, I will help you perfect the recipe. And then they called up George Falcone, uh, and he got involved as well. So it, it was fantastic. I don't know any tire companies. Uh, Falcon, so, I, that's the only two that came to mind. Cooper Tires, <laughs> Continental. And Jim Cooper was like uh, Michelin. listening on a different uh, phone Michelin. line, and he like uh, stole their recipe. Yeah. So in 1940, like, and he still had his, like, he was not doing well. He suffered from dysentery, he had gout. And, like, he had it. Uh, 1940, he, again, he was jailed because, like, he, once he came up with the process, he had to keep fighting off patent pirates, people trying to take his patents. Um, what you call it? Um, and they also people say like, oh, he stole the idea from Hayward. But nineteen eighteen forty one, Hayward said in court that he was the one that came up with the pro- the process for vulcanization of the rubber. So it was like his patent. So he patented it in eighteen forty four. So then he went to apply for a patent in England, uh, but there was another guy, Thomas Hancock, who eight weeks before patented the process for this. How did he get it? So he said... I should have like never he, asked. <laughs> no, he, well, I was going to bring it up anyway. He said he heard about the process or like he, that he was working on it and all. He didn't know what Goodyear was doing, but... He then admitted to this guy Alexander Parkes or something like that. He was like, I was so kind of in a side note of him, like he might have been the first man to make person to make plastics, but he oh, said, cool. yeah, he, him, uh, Hancock and another guy got in touch, got part like a sample of the rubber that Gideon was making and was yeah. able to figure out the process. Wait, it uh, was before- Hancock also? He he was a t- tire manufacturer too. I think that Hancock tires exist nowadays. I have no idea. Oh, okay, um, but he stole <laughs> good. Like, sounds familiar. So in uh, in court, the judge ruled with Goodyear, and this was in England, and he was part of like the English. Finally, some good news. Oh, no, no, he no he the judge ruled with uh, Hancock. Sorry. Oh Jesus! Back to so, jail. Goodyear did not have the contract and all. And then, so, like, he was just, like, in and out of debt. And then in 1860, he died with uh, with $200,000 in debt, which would be driven to, like, $5 million now. And he never really got, like, any credit for his, like, work until after he died. When did the company that started making Goodyear tires show up? 1898. Two wow. brothers in Akron, Ohio, named the company Goodyear after him. Oh, oh so nice. it wasn't they no just connection to him out of out of memory of him. Yeah, out of because he's the one who developed this process. Huh. And what, uh, when did the blimp show up? The blimp actually came out in 1776. That's how the England, uh, the Americans won the war. <laughs> Look, it's a Goodyear blimp. <laughs> I love how this fact is all over. I like it. <laughs> The dates are like uh, cascading across the. Like you said, Mike, no one listens to the dates in these facts. <laughs> I, yeah. I know, I know. But yeah, Goodyear was a man who wanted to revolutionize rubber and did and died in extreme debt. And what's yeah, cool What's cool is they also life. have uh, Goodyear's like soles on shoes. Like the rubber soles mm-hmm. on shoes are made by Goodyear. Yeah, the original name of the company was like Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company. Yeah. They did all this stuff. Um, but the name of my fact is 
You're a good man, Goodyear. I just thought of that right before you said it. I was like, he's going to say that. <laughs> I have no proof of this, but I knew he was going to say that. You're his brother. You could you imagine that guy had so many terrible years and his name was Goodyear. How often he must have heard like, oh, another bad year, huh? Poor guy. Yep. That's a sad fact. Yeah. Followed by Mike's sad child abuse fact. Mine was a happy, fun <laughs> environment for kids to play. Is it my turn? Uh, no, that's the end of the pod. Yep. Oh, you can go. All right. So uh, as some of you listeners know, I am a teacher. And what is the one thing teachers fear the most? The kids. The kids standing up together, using their strength in numbers to riot against us. And so this is not the first student riot in history, but... It was one that I read about earlier today. Was it a quiet riot? It was a quiet riot. All right. So one of the oldest universities in Europe was the University of Paris. Yep. Which had a major focus in theology dating all the way back to the 12th century. Yeah, that's where Mike went to school. Yep. It was run by the church. Mm -hmm. Yes. Sorry. I University dad. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It was run by the church, so the students were required to wear robes and shave the top of their head in tonsure. Do you ever see, like, uh, monks that have, like, the little ring of hair? Wait, so they do that on purpose? It's like some sort of uh, church ritual? I just assumed that they they always recruited men that had bad hair. Well, a little column A, a little column B. Probably one guy had bad hair, and he somehow configured his way to, like, the top. Like in uh, Billy Madison? Yeah, everybody my age to have anybody else have good hair, so he forced it upon everybody else. Yeah, so I looked up the the word. It would probably be the only time in history somebody used religion (laughs) for their own good. Yes, Uh, tonsure. If I'm saying that correctly, is the practice of cutting or shaving some or all of the hair on the scalp as a sign of religious devotion or humility. Yeah, that's why I have. (laughs) How do I refer to my ball spot? It's to repel all the ladies, so you stay a virgin. Well, part of the uniform and the tonsure hair style was to signify that they were students under the protection of the church because it so was church run. The students didn't have to follow the laws of the king and the courts. They were held yeah. to the laws of the church, okay. which obviously led to issues. I think they could have just found an easier way, just like get a badge for their robe or something yeah. instead of shaving or- their head. They should have had, like, leather jackets with patches on the back, like they should, motorcycle yeah. gangs. Yeah. They should have just got motorcycles. Just so like this Paul led to a lot of issues. <laughs> yeah, the original motorcycle. It led to a lot of issues so, because the students, turns out, were uh, unruly and kind of jerks, it sounds like, from the little bit I read. They would just go into town and just be uh, raise hell. They were around 13 to 14 when they would begin at the university and would stay for like six to 12 years in their religious studies. And then Uh, like the church didn't have any like consequences for them. We'll get to that in a little bit. The story really begins in March of 1229 on Shrove Tuesday. Have you ever heard of Shrove Tuesday? Never heard, never had. You have heard of the day. It's Mardi Gras, the day before Ash Wednesday. Oh, okay. Yeah. Big party day. As I call it. Fat Tuesday. 
Uh, it's the night you're like people tend to go out and have a little too much fun because you know what's it Lent starts or Advent Lent. Try to eat as many donuts I forget as which possible. One. Yeah, and it's swallow Lent. a little Lent. plastic yeah. baby. Yeah. No. Yeah. So the students went into town and they had a little too much to drink that night, and uh, they got into an argument with the owner of a tavern because of an unpaid bill. Yeah. So what did the owner of the tavern do? He beat him up, and tossed him out onto the streets. Nice. Now. People like to say nowadays that no one can just take a beating and then like call it a day. They always have to show up with their friends the next day and escalate things. Well, this is 1229 and they did the exact same thing. The next day, a whole bunch of students showed up and they had wooden clubs. They went into the tavern, which was closed because it was Ash Wednesday, found the tavern owner, beat the crap out of them, destroyed the tavern, and then destroyed a whole bunch of shops in the area. Essentially, they caused a riot. Because that sounds just like there. modern Christianity. <laughs> exactly. Yep. So they caused a riot, and it's hard to tell who's the bad person in the story, but I tend to think it's the kids. Um, yeah. But well, there's a lot of twists that... and turns. Okay. So the students I were beaten up, tossed in the streets. They came forward. back. What? I prefer my story straightforward. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of twists and turns, and they caused a riot. Of course, the students were actually exempt from any sort of punishment because they were protected by the church. So they really just got away with it. Um, The church would receive uh, a a bunch of complaints and they needed to do something about it. There was another famous uh, university split. Have you ever heard of Oxford University? Yep. So one of the, I think it's like probably the first real student riot or no student strike uh, of Oxford actually led to the creation of Cambridge University. And the University of Paris did not want this to happen. So they were trying to avoid punishing the kids too much. Enter the uh, Blanche of Castile, the Queen of France, and the regent during the minority of her son Louis IX's reign. She stepped in and she demanded retribution. I demand vengeance. Yes, vengeance will be ours. So the university, they're like, all right, fine. We will allow the city guard to punish the students that rioted. What could go wrong? The guards found the students and during their punishment killed several of them because apparently they were heavy handed. <laughs> That's how you punish kids. Yeah. Yes. So they it was like. They won't they, do it again. It's true. Uh, it was impossible later to. <laughs> yeah. It is one of those things where it's like the guy beat up the kids. You know, that was kind of wrong. The kids destroyed the town. That's very wrong. Uh, but then they killed the kids. That's all. That's even worse. Like it's just escalation back and forth. This they bring a thrones. knife. You bring a gun. Yeah. They put one of yours in the hospitals. You put one of those in the morgue. That's the Paris way. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, uh, and of course, this is sad. It was rumored that uh, the dead students weren't even in the riot. They were just students that they had found and killed. So this led to a student strike. Classes were closed, and the students would leave for other universities, uh, or they left to just find employment somewhere else. And it actually had a huge negative impact on the economy of Paris because it was a huge boon for them. Because it was all a lot of rich families would send their kids to this school. Um, guess how long the strike would last? Four years. Two years. Finally, Pope Gregory the Ninth. He was an alumnus of the university issued the bull, and I'm going to say this wrong, Parens Scientiarum. Oh, that was perfect. Yeah, sounded like it was right. 
This honored the university as the mother of sciences and guaranteed that the school would be independent from local authority, not just like the uh, secular authority, but also local church authority, because it then it became directly under the papal patronage and the Pope took over. What could go wrong? Exactly. This sort of led to, um, of the time, just how much power universities would have. They would tend to grow during, like, and get become more and more powerful throughout the years. This was sort of the beginning of that, where they were, like, free from the law. It's so weird to even think that a university uh, would have that much power. (laughs) Yeah, they had the Pope on their side. And that's it. That's the story of the two-year strike. You know, a lot of back and forth, a lot of escalation that led into the kids. They got their way. They uh, didn't have to follow the rules of the law anymore. Just the Pope and God. Uh, what's your name of your fact? College uh, God. Let, what is it? College ga- God. College God. No, uh, the University of Paris riot. Oh, it's a pretty clever name, right? University. It's almost like it was the headline for the the, the uh, website you were on. <laughs> you could call it Pious Riot. As uh, the the Simpsons did, Quiet Riot, but they became yeah. a Christian band. Yep. There you have it, folks. So three facts for tonight is no one puts baby in a cage. You're a good man, good year. Or Pat's fact, University Paris <laughs> Vite. There you go. Thanks for uh, jazzing it up there. <laughs> yeah, my, yeah, the title of mine, I'm never going to win with these titles. Yeah, somebody has to punch them up a little bit. Uh, so go to factoffpodcast.com and you can vote for which one you think is the better, the best. Which one do you think is the <laughs> Not better? Not the best one, just which one do you think is the better one? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the better one of the two. Three. Um, <laughs> or there's a link in the show notes and you can click on that and go ahead and vote. It will take it right to the voting page. Uh, check us out on all the socials except for TikTok because Mike won't get a TikTok. Um, I got a TikTok. I don't know how to use it. Rate, rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Music. Is it, have, yeah. Is that why you keep posting videos of yourself just scrolling the page? Like you don't know <laughs> yeah. the camera's on. It's just like, oh, 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 like your reactions. Yeah. I uh, like uh, secondhand know a few TikTok dances because the kids do that rather than learn. <laughs> you should do math on TikTok and make it cool. That's what the, that's what the kids are missing. Maybe if I wrapped it. Yeah, A plus B equals C. If you know what I mean. This is pretty hip. What a great way to end the show. <laughs> yeah. You guys have a great day out there. Bye. <laughs>